You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students. Spiritual earthquakes occur for each of us when there is a shift in the relationship between the little self and the infinite self. Whenever the little self, in other words, sees itself as little, there is a shudder that occurs in the experience of our life. Anything can bring this on. Anything can show up as an earthquake. Any surprise. Any eventuality that kind of comes to fruition. Anything. Anything can show up as a spiritual earthquake and give us this offering. And we can also fight against these spiritual earthquakes. We can fight against the the big trying to inform the limited or the small. In fact, that's the job of our separate self-sense, our ego, or our mind. It's to filter that stuff out. But what happens is whenever the infinite brushes up against that in us which is contracted, that scrape is interpreted as threat by the ego, by the small self, which is pretty much all the time. All the time, in other words, we're given these opportunities to expand, and our relationship to that opportunity is exactly what determines our place on the path. We're all on it. No matter how unconscious somebody might be, we are all on the path. The offerings are continually there. Stillness is always there. It's never not there. Consciously developing a relationship to stillness creates a massive earthquake in our psychological and spiritual center of gravity. Major, major earthquake. I was given a dose of uh, the infinite coming at me recently when I was watching uh, The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, which uh, tends to offer some uh, great stuff to ponder and they had a clip of Pat Robertson on television on his on his uh, network talking about Pennsylvania and how they voted this particular town voted several members of their school board out for uh, advocating intelligent design in the school curriculum and so forth and Pat Robertson's comment came from a very very interesting place 
because his comment was, I'm totally paraphrasing here, I'm going to butcher it, but that, uh, you know, if disaster befalls these people in Dover, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, it's because they voted God out of the classroom and so forth. And my first thought was to giggle, <laughs> I must admit. And my second thought was to immediately try to contextualize this in terms of dharma, in terms of practice. How egotistical for any of us to think that God is outside of our experience. If God is out there looming over us or under us or around us, or, you know, but if God is out there and we somehow are in here working for, asking for, begging for his mercy, we have reified the very thing that will never allow us to consciously recognize God. We are establishing a boundary between self and God, between the limited and the infinite. So all of us are enacting Pat Robertson's dictum there, whenever we are coming from the place of I. Most of us just don't have our own TV stations. <laughs> so I think it's important to recognize that uh, as much as it's uh, easy for us to judge others as being somehow less conscious than we are, I think it's probably more helpful on our spiritual path to recognize that every single person can teach us where we need to work, where we actually need to open. If you feel resistance, if you feel, for that matter, anything other than ease, We're in a contracted place. One of the things about a stillness practice is it puts us very close, puts us very close to our breath. Our breath is the definition of ease. It's the constant flow, throb, sine curve of living. Okay? You could hang on to it if you want. It won't last very long. You'll suffer if you try to attach to your breath and keep it in one spot. Such a great teacher. So, I guess we begin to learn from not only another person's consciousness, a deep consciousness that we might see in somebody else, we learn from that as well as seeing somebody who has a very, very shallow consciousness. And it's not that the shallow consciousness is not real. It's not that the self is not real. It's that it is not the full mushbook. 
It is not the whole story. So we can look at our relationship to these two realities, the shallow reality and the deep reality, as kind of the conventional, the normal, might be shallow. Still part of the same pool, okay, but it's shallow. On the other end, the deep end, we have the ultimate, conventional, ultimate. We also have what we call the manifest world of form. Then in in the deep reality, we have the unmanifest world of emptiness, which is not a world at all. It's just emptiness, the primordial void. We have that which is created in the shallow sense, and in the deep sense, we have that which is uncreated. In the shallow sense, we have that which is separated, compartmentalized, and divided. And in the deep reality, we have that which is singular, that which is unified, that which is whole. We sometimes talk about in the shallow reality, we have the stage of mind and we believe that we are the protagonist on that stage of mind and that it is real. And we get glimpses of the deep reality, which is when we are in the audience, when we can witness, when we can see, when we can notice that which is going on on the stage. Another way of putting this is in the shallow reality, our center of gravity is ego. And as we begin to broaden and swim into the deep end, we start recognizing that the deeper reality is the witness. We start noticing in the shallow reality that it's about mind. And in the open, deepened reality, it's about no mind. It's not about thought. It's about the space between thoughts. Instead of movement, it is about stillness. Instead of temporary, it is eternal. And what divides these two realities is a tightrope of intention. What is your intention? What is the intention that arises within you? What do you really, really, really want? What do you really want? Really. Because if you are in that space of consciously recognizing and studying that in you, which really, really, really wants something, you're going to find an answer to that question that informs you rather than from the place that is shallow, the information, the revelation, the evolution will come from that which is deep, huge, infinite, expansive, and empty. From this deep intentionality, The small is informed by the big, in other words. When we don't have this intention, 
when we don't have an intention that is about expanse, when we don't have an intention that is about finding out what's on the other side of mind, what's on the other side of time, what's on the other side of any and all boundaries, if that intention isn't mixed into this, we tend to see the lie as true, as the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God that's out there. But if our intentionality actually involves that in us which is expansive and that in us which seeks beyond limitation, what we find is a merger of self and God, that we become a divine conscious expression of spirit. Just in the way we ask for our coffee at Starbucks in the morning. From a place of depth, if our intentionality recognizes not only that the shallow is shallow and the deep is deep and that together they form this pool of experience that is total and whole and infinite and still, when we can rest in that place, we embody an appropriate response to the universe. We embody helpfulness. We go beyond birth and death. We go beyond past and future, good and bad. We come from a place that is beyond where things move. We come from stillness. We come from a place that does not suffer, that does not hurt. All pain, if you think about it, all suffering involves the shallow, involves the small things and their relationship to time, past, future, identity versus hope, memory versus plan, pain versus fear, those dualisms from the small, from the stage, from the contracted, from the ego, that's reality, that's the whole story. But there's more, which is on the other side of that, which happens when our intentionality is very, very clear. And in that clarity, there is non-suffering. And non-suffering does not mean that the partial reality that feels pain no longer feels pain. It means that the relationship to that discomfort, to that suffering, to that pain, to that hope, to that fear, to whatever that discomfort in the dualistic world of form is, our relationship to it experiences a spiritual earthquake. And we have this chance of getting rattled into an awakening. And this happens through a systematic stilling of that which moves. 
And that which moves is everything in the shallow. Everything that is small. The body-mind, to put it on very personal terms. All things that are personal move. And that which moves is always a veil. Hiding, awakening from our conscious recognition. So this stilling practice that we have, this actually is the middle way. This is an embodiment of an intention that incorporates and infuses the small with the big. The stilling of the body-mind shows us no body-mind. And once this body-mind, as Dogen Senji used to say, once this body-mind is dropped, we are enlightened by all things. This awakened perspective flourishes through this very body-mind since there is no resistance to anything. All body-minds, in other words, become the vehicle at that place for awakening. As long as there is no resistance, as long as there is a witnessing awareness of our experience instead of a continual war, there's this amazing opportunity to take a bruised ego, to take the scrapes that the infinite levies against the contracted. And we begin to see the lie for what it is. We see that the lie of the shallow is also true. We begin to see that the truth of the infinite can inform itself, recognize itself through our experience in this world of form, this very body-mind, and the product of that merger is laughter, love, smiles, tenderness, strength, strength that allows 12 guys from New York City, paramedics, to go to Pakistan to help people that are suffering. It offers a kindness, a tenderness, a strength, a resolute commitment to others as well as self in ways that change the world because there is no resistance. And therefore, in the act of changing the world, we become simultaneously changed by it. And God winks through our own eyes. It's just that your last statement sort of keeps resonating in my head. Uh, when, when God winks. Um, exactly. We're, <laughs> we're manifestations then. In all cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything we do is spirit 
spirit in action. The minute it becomes conscious, the minute it becomes deep within the body-mind, so that the body-mind itself kind of falls away, so that the personal relationship to all things gives way to an impersonal opening of, through, with, and from all things, at that point, it's compassion. It's spirit in action where spirit recognizes itself through us. Where we are vehicles of openness and we change the world. So we stop movement and at the same time let movement happen. Mm -hmm. When we stop movement of the body-mind, in other words, in meditation, when our body is still and our mind is still, there's full expression. But the full expression comes in nonverbal ways in that particular scenario, okay? Because the consciousness is deepening when we do that. When the consciousness deepens, there's a point to where even when we come out of that place of stillness, the movement is informed consciously from that deepened place of stillness. The movement recognizes that it's not separate from the stillness. That form is not separate from emptiness. That together, all things show up as whatever it is we're doing. And if it's conscious, it's helpful. It's an appropriate response. It's an appropriate statement. It's an appropriate move. It is giving. Conscious in, sense, in the sense of the big self. Yes. Consciousness. Big self-consciousness. The deep self-consciousness. As opposed to the shallow self. Consciousness which we have every day. Yeah. Shallow self-consciousness means that we are self-aware, right. right? Deep self-consciousness means that we are aware of that which is positively beyond self. And that's what informs then the little self-consciousness. And at that point, everything shifts. There is a spiritual earthquake. Every relationship is altered. I like that. If you read the paper, there are little tremblers every day. Yeah, the paper, isn't it interesting how the paper is pretty much filled with everything that is about harm. Much of the paper is about harm. Not everything, but much of the paper is about harm. It's about the violation of the precepts in Buddhism. You know, it's about stealing. It's about lying. It's about the misuse of sexuality. It's about killing. It's about stealing. You know? 
I don't know why that's so. I think probably because the small self-consciousness is absolutely enamored of itself because it thinks it's the whole picture. And those are all personal tragedies. Yeah, it's all personal. And when we look at it from big self-consciousness, we recognize that every person's tragedy really is me. I'm feeling it too. We're all feeling it together. And the miracle is that as the consciousness deepens, we're able to carry more. We're able to carry more of that suffering because it feels lighter. Even though it's deeply imbued with all that we are, we start recognizing, my goodness, my heart and mind are wide and open enough to carry all the cries of the world to regard all the cries of the world with tenderness. That's a bodhisattva. That's a saint. That is the work of saints. It's also the work of every one of us. And if you think you're separate from that, keep going. <laughs> keep thinking that because there's an offering there will be another offering to help tease that uh, wonderment out of us mine's more commentary on the, the New York paramedics in uh, Pakistan and yeah I saw that on 60 Minutes yeah, Is that no, yeah I, it was just I, and but to me, the, that's like a teaching mm. um, because when one of them said, well, you know, we're influencing American, I mean, uh, the view of Americans, but we're not just doing it for this little boy. It's He's going to be a grandfather someday and say, well, you know, it's because of those Americans. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that that perspective you know, taken and put into our grand foreign policy is just... Yeah, it might be interesting. If they could... Might be I think it was Thich Nhat Hanh who made the point, it might be interesting if we had um, the practice of deep listening in Washington <laughs> and in Berlin and in London and in Mogadishu and in Riyadh and in Kabul and in Bangkok... Beijing, Seoul, Pyongyang, you know, if we had that sense about us to listen with our eyes and see with our ears and notice all things with our hearts as we entered into connectivity with other beings instead of from a place of defensiveness, whether or not it serves our interests. I mean, to take that young man's comment a step further, yeah, he's right. They're going to remember the Americans. But more than, the, than their being American, they're going to remember he was human. Yeah. The gift, which is something we all can give. I say this all the time, but fundamentalism is fundamentalism is fundamentalism. Whether it's Buddhist, Islam, 
Christian, you know, no matter what, whether it's atheism, fundamentalism is attachment. It's a personalized relationship to spirit or non-spirit that becomes contracted, hard, dense, impenetrable, and unhelpful. And those guys, what I got from that Bob Simon story, at least, was, you know, the guy just said it so so quaintly. He said, "Look, we're we're healthcare workers. Duh. Where is that? Where is that in you, and in me, and in? That's our path. Continually being, in other words, that type of giver." And when we see that, that the giver and the receiver and the gift itself, those three treasures begin to formulate as us in the big sense, the deep self, that spiritual earthquake shifts consciousness. That awakens. That's why we're here. We're not here to make people feel happy. The minute we do that, we engage in suffering. If we're here to make people happy, we're about egoic negotiation. That fades. Happiness ebbs and flows. Consciousness continually deepens. Awakening people to that consciousness, ourselves and others, changes the world. Thanks for coming. Uh-huh.